Did you ever hear about the spooky coincidence that leads some people to think that Edgar Allan Poe had a clairvoyant knowledge about the death of a sailor? The internet says it's true. Welcome to The Internet Says It's True, where every week we learn something that sounds like it's made up, but it's really true. Part of the WCBE podcast experience. And what that means is you can listen to this podcast anywhere you get podcasts, but you can also listen to it at wcbe.org, a member station of NPR in Columbus, Ohio. There's a tab there that says Podcast Experience. That's where you can you can listen to this show every week if you'd like. My name's Michael Kent. Welcome back. We've got a brand new episode for you this week. You know, I love a good story, and this is really two stories in one. And one of them is fiction, one is fact, but the circumstances here are so eerie It's probably perfect that this is an October episode. Uh, This one is purely about strange coincidence. So a minute ago I said the internet says it's true, and what I mean by that is that these stories happened, but obviously they're not the cases of any sort of clairvoyance or psychic happening at work, unless you believe in that kind of thing. But both of these things actually happened. Later in the episode we're going to be joined by comedian and writer Jay Black, so stay tuned for that. I'm creating this episode from Atlanta, Georgia, where I'm hanging out with my agent and some friends, so I'm happy to bring you this new episode during my downtime. This week's story was really fun to write. Uh, What else is going on? When I leave here Saturday, I've got a corporate gig back in Ohio, then I'm headlining the Chicago Magic Lounge this week, so that'll be fun. But by the time this episode comes out, those shows will be over, because we're one week ahead here. So next week, I'll let you know how that went. If you all enjoy this podcast every week and you feel like it has value to you, please consider joining my Patreon. This is the best way to show your support of the effort I put into these stories every week. And I really do appreciate all of you who sign up there. That's patreon.com slash Michael Kent. It's super easy to sign up. You can join at any level you're comfortable with, whether it's $5, $10, or just $1. I appreciate it all. Uh, Once again, that's patreon.com slash Michael Kent. And if you haven't gotten your merch yet, you can get a t-shirt or mug with the show's logo on it through the website. That's the internet says it's true.com. Click merch. And for those of you who already have signed up on Patreon, you can get 20% off any of the merch that you buy. Uh, And so those are available on the website. So let's talk about Richard Parker. The coincidence is basically this. A man named Richard Parker died in a way that was eerily described by an Edgar Allan Poe story that was written 29 years before he was ever born. In Life of Pi, a 2001 novel by Jan Martell, a young boy is shipwrecked and stranded at sea with a host of wild animals, one of them being a Bengal tiger named Richard Parker. The use of the name Richard Parker was deliberate. Martell wanted to pay homage to the crazy literary coincidence that we'll be discussing. The very unfortunate case of a man named Richard Parker and his fate at sea. So to tell the story, we go back to July 5th, 1884. Captain Tom Dudley was commanding the yacht Mignonette with a crew of four. It was a 52-foot inshore boat, and when it was built 16 years before, it wasn't made for long ocean voyages. Nonetheless, Captain Dudley had selected his crew to sail at 15,000 miles from Southampton in southern England to Sydney, Australia. An Australian had purchased the boat and selected this particular captain to deliver it to him in Australia. The crew was made up of Dudley, Edwin Stevens, Edmund Brooks, and Richard Parker. 
Parker was the youngest of the bunch at only 17 years old. He was an orphan and inexperienced at sea. He was the ship's cabin boy. On the night of July 5th, the Mignonette was in the middle of the ocean, around 1,600 miles off the coast of Cape Town, South Africa. The seas were calm, so the crew was enjoying a good night's sleep. During their sleep, a rogue wave washed onto the boat, ripping away one of the ship's bulwarks and badly flooding the Mignonette. Within five minutes, the ship sank. In that time, the four-man crew had enough opportunity to scramble onto their small, poorly constructed lifeboat. They only had time to grab a couple navigational instruments and two cans of turnips. On the first night, they fought off a shark with their oars. They waited a couple days to break into the first can of turnips, and they split it evenly among the men, which lasted another two days. Then Captain Turner caught a sea turtle, and the meat from the turtle helped to keep the men alive for a few more days. After one week at sea, the men had run out of any drinkable water and hadn't collected any rainwater. They were forced to drink their own urine. And despite knowing how it would affect them, Parker and Stevens couldn't resist the urge to start drinking seawater. Both men became ill. Delirious and suffering from extreme hunger, the men started having the conversation about killing and eating one of the crew on the 16th of July. But after another week, the conversation started becoming more serious. And during that time, young Richard Parker had fallen into a coma from his illness. Captain Dudley suggested that they sacrifice Parker so the rest of them could live. The men argued amongst themselves about the idea. There was an old unspoken rule called Custom of the Sea that was about keeping crewmen alive at all costs. Dudley felt that this custom of the sea protected his actions, both morally and legally, of sacrificing Parker. Now this next part is a bit graphic, so if you're squeamish, you may want to fast forward the next few seconds. The men decided that it was important to not only have flesh to eat, but blood to drink in order to stay alive. So allowing Parker to die naturally wouldn't do, apparently. They decided they needed to murder the boy. Dudley said a prayer on the morning of July 25th, and with Stevens helping to hold the boy's feet, Dudley pushed his penknife into Richard Parker's jugular vein, killing him. For the next few days, the three men stayed alive by cannibalism. Even though Edmund Brooks disagreed with the killing of Parker, he too took part. This next description that was later provided by Captain Dudley is pretty gruesome. Quote, I can assure you I shall never forget the sight of my two unfortunate companions over that ghastly meal. We all was like mad wolves who should get the most, and for men, fathers of children, to commit such a deed, we could not have our right reason." End quote. Four days later, the men were rescued by a German sailboat and returned to England. And we may have never known about this case. I mean, it's a tiny boat with no passengers or cargo of note. There weren't famous sailors on this vessel, and it's not the only instance of cannibalism at sea, either. The story of the whaling ship Essex is a very famous example. There are two main reasons that the killing and eating of Richard Parker is remembered. One of those reasons was that it resulted in a very famous court case. Dudley thought the men would be protected by the custom of the sea rule, but they were arrested for murder. Brooks acted as a witness against the other men, but Stevens and Dudley were found guilty of murder and sentenced to death. That sentence was later reduced to six months imprisonment, 
but it was a landmark case that established a precedent that you can't kill someone in order to keep yourself alive. It destroyed this concept of the custom of the sea. The other reason this story is remembered is because of an uncanny coincidence. The story coincides with a story told in Edgar Allan Poe's only full-length novel, and that novel was written 46 years before the sinking of the Mignonette and before any of the crew members were ever born. We'll talk about Edgar Allan Poe after a break. There was a time that humans used 100% organic products as healing balms and moisturizers for their skin. Well, I've partnered with an awesome company that wants to get back to those times. Fatco sells organic and responsibly made tallow-based skincare products. For centuries, humans used tallow in skin moisturizers and healing balms, but unfortunately, the topical application of these fats seemed to stop around the same time that animal fats stopped being considered part of a healthy diet. A lot of modern skincare products do more harm than good by stripping your skin of its natural oils. Let's change that. You can try them out now at fatco.com and get 15% off your order by using my promo code INTERNET. Go to theinternetsaysitstrue.com slash deals for the link. If you love listening to this podcast every week and you want to show your support, that would mean a great deal to me. You can do that by becoming a Patreon member. We've got members at all levels, whether you want to pledge $1 a month or $10 a month. Just think about the value that you receive from this show. And if you like the histories and the stories that you learn about or the jokes that you hear, and if you think that they're worth it, consider signing up. For that, you get every episode ad-free and a week early, access to bonuses like the unedited videos of the guest appearances, and 20% off all merchandise. You can sign up today at patreon.com slash Michael Kent. That's patreon.com slash Michael Kent. Suddenly, a loud and long scream or yell, as if from the throats of a thousand demons, seemed to pervade the whole atmosphere around and above the boat. Never where I live shall I forget the intense agony of terror I experienced at that moment, my hair stood erect on my head. I felt the blood congealing in my veins. My heart ceased utterly to beat. And without having once raised my eyes to learn the source of my alarm, I tumbled headlong and insensible upon the body of my fallen companion. That was a passage from an 1838 novel, The Narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym of Nantucket. It was the only novel Edgar Allan Poe ever wrote, Famous for his gruesome short stories, this book was a departure from his normal format, but not from the gruesome depictions that most people think of when they think of Edgar Allan Poe. This was yet another work in the pulp fiction genre that Poe invented, and it told a story of a stowaway on a whaling vessel, a shipwreck, mutiny, and eventually cannibalism. The novel was met with mixed reviews. One reviewer, Lewis Gaylord Clark, said it was, quote, too liberally stuffed with horrid circumstances of blood and battle, end quote. But then again, Clark was always feuding with Poe. Others criticized the book for its inaccurate depictions of nautical life and navigation. Even Poe himself referred to it as a, quote, very silly book. But authors from Jules Verne to Herman Melville said that Poe's novel influenced their writing. Nonetheless, we know about this book because of this eerie coincidence. In the narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym of Nantucket, we hear a tale of a shipwreck and four sailors who are adrift in a sailboat. 
After catching and eating a sea turtle, they again become hungry and decide to kill and eat one of their party. They drew straws, and the unlucky person among them was eaten and killed. He was the cabin boy, and his name was Richard Parker. Again, this was 46 years before the real cabin boy Richard Parker would be killed and eaten after being shipwrecked. There are some other strange coincidences with this name Richard Parker. For instance, in 1879, there was an English sailor named Richard Parker who was tried for organizing a mutiny on board the HMS Sandwich and was very publicly hanged for it. In 1864, a man named Richard Parker was the last person to be executed in Nottingham. He had killed his parents. Now, when Yann Martel wrote Life of Pi, he had heard these stories about the various Richard Parkers and how this name kept popping up throughout history. And he thought that in dealing with themes of fate, he needed to use this name in his book of a shipwrecked person. Although he also mentioned another case of the custom of the sea cannibalism of a third man named Richard Parker on board the Francis Spate in 1835. But I did some research. I cannot come up with anyone with that name on board the Francis Spate. Now, they did cannibalize a 15-year-old cabin boy. His name was O'Brien. But uh, I did not find a third Richard Parker that was, that was eaten on a boat. In any case, it's just a crazy coincidence. There's little to no chance that anyone on board the Mignonette had ever read Poe's novel, and none of the men on board had ever been born when it came out. Sometimes the universe just aligns in uncanny ways. Even still, if you are listening to this podcast and your last name is Parker, just to be safe, maybe, you know, don't name your son Richard. It's time for the part of the podcast where I call a friend. One of my favorite guests is on this week. Jay Black is a writer and a comedian. He's written and produced films like Psycho Storm Chaser, Meet My Valentine, and Love Always Santa. Good to see you again, Jay. Oh, it's good to be here. I apologize that I look like a homeless ruffian. <laughs> That's I'm okay. not feeling great, but you know, one of the best things about a podcast is that you can't get sick through the the microphone at least not yet yeah if you do get sick i'm the only one who has to see that they don't have to see it except for the patreon the folks on patreon can pay a dollar a month and see really you get sick uh on camera well i hope i get some patreon subscriptions if you're listening (laughs) right now on the regular feed and you're like gee jay sounds like uh someone (laughs) who has recently been uh let out of jail uh i want to see what that looks like please come see me I, i you know what i look like I look like a character in Grand Theft Auto that just got beaten to death. You did. I lay it on the ground like this. Yeah. I, you know, I was just playing Grand Theft Auto before we started. Uh, I really? used to play it religiously, like hours okay. at a time. And I haven't had a gaming system for years because I was finding myself like I would sit on the couch and play like Call of Duty for four hours in a, in a right. row, six hours I'm in a row. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. But I decided I wanted to treat myself. And so I said to my wife, uh, Allie, I said, let's get a Switch. Let's get a Nintendo Switch and we'll have fun <laughs> with that. And we got it. And like one of the first games I downloaded was was Vice City just for nostalgia. Wow. And I've been going through and playing it and because I, I remember all the stuff like, you know, where to go and whatnot. So it was they were the best games in the in the world. And uh, Gary, Grand Theft Auto 6 looking very forward to that. I oh, feel I, like whatever PlayStation 15 I need to buy to get it. I'm looking forward <laughs> to that as well. It's going to be wonderful. Yeah, you know, like I uh I really enjoy the the gaming stuff, but I don't like follow it. So I couldn't tell you, 
you know, what games are out and what's cool. Cause I will just latch onto one game and just play it like, you know, uh, uh, ritualistically. I'll just, I'll just play the game the yeah. same thing over and over and over and over. I, it, I think I, you have to be like 26 or under to like be able to differentiate it yeah. because like even when people tell me about the different games they're like well look this one's called dark souls and this one's called souls that are dark i'm like i, yeah. I don't know but they you both have, look like monsters but you have like kids so like you know the, your your son can tell you what's cool and what's not cool you would think but my son right now not a video game guy got kid has a playstation 5 and a nintendo switch spends all his time learning the accordion <laughs> i don't know what happened michael yeah, right i i had to tell him uh, after you you can play your accordion after your homework's done and he was like oh and he put his accordion away this just, is this is uh, what my genes lead to I, never mate with me ladies this is what comes out the other end <laughs> i can't wait to see the black and sun variety hour it's gonna be so oh, good yeah yeah we've been learning how to play lola so nice. he plays it on accordion i play it on piano my daughter comes in on drums we're like the uh the partridge family without any gigs it's <laughs> good well let's get to uh let's let's get to our quiz here and for this first question we're going to play for a joke so if you get it wrong you have to tell me a joke and if you get it sure. right i'll tell you one so here's the question in 1884 a cabin boy named richard parker was killed mm. and eaten to sustain the life of shipwrecked sailors in the ocean which one of these strange coincidences is true a I the name of the ship that wrecked was the Eaton Parker. E-T-O-N Parker. B, Richard Parker had a habit of rubbing salt on his skin, and this ended up making him extra tasty for the sailors. Sure. Or C, Edgar Allan Poe had published a book about shipwrecked sailors who killed and ate a cabin boy named Richard Parker 46 years before the real thing happened. Wow, this this is a tough one. I have no, like a lot of times when you talk about this stuff, I feel like I have some connection to it or I've read some story. I've got nothing here. So I listen, I think in olden times, everybody rubbed themselves with some sort of uh, condiment. So, you know, if it wasn't salt, it was uh, mustard. And, uh, you know, I, Edgar Allan Poe, I don't remember any books that he published about Sailor. So I'm going to go with A, that the, the, the name of the boat was the Eaton Parker. That's, the, that's my guess. The answer is C Edgar Allan Poe? What he I'm wrote? An English major. He wrote one novel in his career, right? And that one novel was about a shipwreck. And in that shipwreck, there were four men on a boat. They uh, they they drew straws or or voted to kill and eat the youngest one, the cabin boy named Richard sure. Parker. Yeah. And then forty six years later, there was a shipwreck. Four sailors. They had a 17-year-old cabin boy named Richard Parker. They killed Natum. Wow. I hope nobody had that book. That's. I know? don't think. I. I. Th I the, the chances of them having read that book were, were like are minuscule. Because a, it yeah. was like the 1800s, and b, it was not a well received. Like it was not a famous book. You know, he was. And here's the important thing. Number one, uh, very important to remember: don't eat. Uh, if you're going to be a cannibal, don't eat children because that's the human equivalent of veal, and right. you don't want to be. You don't want people to talk to you about like you don't want to be a veal eater. Come on. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But All I, right, so I have to tell you a joke. Yeah, you got to tell me a joke. All right. Guy walks into a bar, takes out a little 12 inch piano, little little pianist sits there. The little guy in a tuxedo starts playing the piano. Bartender goes, that's amazing. Where'd you get that? And he goes, ah, I, I got this uh, magic lamp. You rub it. It gives you a wish. But just here's the important thing. Enunciate. Guy goes, what do you mean? He goes, do you really think I asked for a 12 inch pianist? I love it. Here's what I love about this joke. 
I've heard that joke before in a really, really long version of it. Oh, really? Yeah. Like a shaggy dog kind of story. It's shaggy dog. Yeah. And it was other wishes and all kinds of other crap. And that is, you were direct into the, right to the punch. It doesn't need all that other crap. That's right. Um, that's, that's my stand-up. Come see me do stand-up, everybody. <laughs> None of that other crap. The so, Black guarantee. Because of the fact that I looked up a joke this week that had to do with um, shipwreck and cannibals, yeah. um, I found it. I'm going to read my joke, too. Sure, uh, go so, and it, there's a swear, and I'll, I'll bleep out this way. Three men shipwreck on an island known for cannibals. As they wander the jungle, they're captured by these cannibals, and they're put in a cage. The biggest and ugliest cannibal approaches the cage and says... Now we're fun-loving cannibals, and we like to play games. We'll give you a chance to escape for our amusement with one item of your choice. If you get to the beach, then you'll be taken back to society. If you fail, we shall kill you, skin you, eat you, and turn you into a canoe. Good luck. (laughs) So the first man, he wants to go the traditional route. He chooses a gun. As he runs to the beach, he runs out of ammo. Cannibals catch him, skin him, eat him, turn him into a canoe. The second man asks for a horse. They give him their only horse, and he rides toward the beach, but the cannibals spear him off the horse, skin him, eat him, turn him into a canoe. The third man asks for a fork. The cannibals give him a funny look, but they get him a fork. Then he starts stabbing himself all over. The cannibals ask why he's making their job easier. He yells, f*** your canoe. (laughs) Love it. Good joke. That's great. Good joke. That's that's how you want to go out, man. Fight the power right till the end. That's right. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so for this next question, Jay, we'll be playing for an admission of something we want to do better this year. Okay. So I don't know if you have something in mind. Uh, I did not think of some. I I know exactly what I'm going to say. Okay. I can bring my wife in. She's got a list. (laughs) Nobody knows how Edgar Allan Poe died. His body was discovered in 1849 after going missing for five days. And even though nobody knows how he was died, Which one of these ailments was listed as his cause of death on the death certificate? Okay. Was it A, congestion of the brain, B, vagrancy, or C, heartache? Oh, geez. He probably did die of heartache, but I don't know if they would have put that in the paper. Uh, Complete guess here. I'm going to say vagrancy. The answer, A, congestion of the brain is what they put. Whatever that means. Brain congestion. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know. Is that like a sinus infection? What? I don't know what congestion of the brain is. I think uh, it's when you have so much snot in your brain, you yeah. start voting Republican. <laughs> it's probably accurate. It's <laughs> accurate. I, these questions are hard this week. Uh, so experts and scholars have proposed everything from murder and rabies to dipsomania and carbon monoxide poisoning as the reason for his demise. But to this day, the cause of Edgar Allan Poe's death remains a mystery. He was a uh, like a drunk, right? Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah, 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 and I think opium and some other stuff too. Um, I think back in those days, though, opium you could just get it like with you when you bought cheese. You could yeah. say, "Could I have some American cheese and a pound of opium?" Yeah, because the cheese, no the opium was the antidote to gas that the cheese gave you. Yeah, he's, well, yeah. It's. It, I got to tell you something. I would have been dead at eighteen if I lived in <laughs> olden times. You know, like when they have. Uh, you know, like, oh, would you like some cocaine with that? Why, yes, I would. You know, I just love uh, the phrase "olden times." It makes everything funny if you just talk about olden times, like back yeah. in olden times. Just Although, I don't know why that's really I funny. I have to kids me. now, so my kids talk about olden times, like the nineteen, like the mid nineteen nineties. Yeah, 
Back in olden times when the uh, MacBooks were colored, could you, uh, you know, like the 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 fruity colored MacBooks, could you talk about that? Like, no, that's not olden times. That was just like clamshells. You know, it's the I want to fight that. I want to be like, oh, it wasn't that long ago. And then I'll like see, you know, news footage on YouTube from the mid 90s. And it's ancient looking. I mean, it's just any sort of old TV from from. You know what I remember as contemporary is just so old right. looking. Well, you know, and another thing too is you get back and you 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 like hear stats like we're closer now to like we're further away from 1995 than like 1995 was from like the Cuban Missile Crisis or whatever. Yeah. And you're like, oh no, that can't possibly be it, and you, it is. And you just you you seriously just want to die. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, do you have oh, a okay. an admission okay. of something you want to do better this year? Yeah, you know, I want to be uh, better about getting stuff done around the house. Um, I I believe uh, fully in a, uh, a future that is only three or four days away that everything will be done, but I never actually do anything to achieve that three or four day future. Yeah. And I know it frustrates my wife. So I got to get better about that before she either divorces or murders me or both. Yeah, I mine was going to be the same. I mean, like it just messes around the house and and that list is ever growing. And it's really easy, especially this time of year when I'm like traveling a bunch. It's easy to just say sort of say, I'll do that when I get back. Yeah. And then that list just future Michael will do it. Yeah. Future Michael's pretty awesome. Yeah. Never met the guy, but he's amazing. Past Michael. What a jerk. Not a fan (laughs) of past Michael. No, I can attest past Michael's an asshole. Uh, question three for this question, we're playing for a, tell me what to Google sticker, the former name of this podcast. Uh, and these are left over from, you know, you, you were probably on the podcast back when it was called that. Here's your question. What's the longest amount of time anyone has been stranded at sea? Okay. Is it a 200 days, B 90 days or C 438 days? Hmm. Well, my first instinct was to go a. But because that was my first instinct and the last two times I went with my first instinct, I missed terribly. I'm going to go with my second instinct, which is C, 400 and some days. The answer is C. You are correct. 438 days. Jose Salvador Alvarenga holds the record for the longest solo survival at sea. He was adrift for 438 days. He traveled over 6,700 miles. What, What did he eat and drink? I don't know, but I'm sure there's a book out there, right, about this guy. Yeah, and I I think this wasn't that long ago. I'll have to look this more up more. I di- I didn't get all the details on this, but he probably had like a better boat than some of these people that are eating other sailors. Sure. Well, no, I was going to say I think maybe he had an endless supply of cabin boys that he was just chowing <laughs> yeah. down on. That's why it was a solo survival at sea. It didn't start out solo. Right. Yeah. It started out as a regular cruise, and then he just murdered everybody on the cruise. Yeah. And just weeded it out. The cabin boys, uh, they just count as uh, cargo. I think. Yeah. Hey, so, you know what? Number Here's an important thing. If you're offered a job as a cabin boy, uh, don't take it. I don't think it, it's never turned out good. No, it's not even it doesn't even seem like fun work. It just seems like you're the guy that everyone makes fun of and makes do all the crap tasks. But you know, I, I guess if you want to be a sailor, yeah, you have to do that first. Right. You have to put in your time as a cabin boy and hopefully not get eaten. Yeah. Well, I, but, you know, like I look at I mean, how bad was it on land back in olden times, you know, that you would go out? <laughs> You know what I mean? Like they, they, you, you read these things where it's like, well, we're on the boat for like six years, yeah, and we we go into port. Like I, I just listening to Brandy, 
you know, Brandy, you're a fine girl. Yeah. Good, like, why? Just settle down with Brandy, dude. Like, what's so great about the ocean? You're out there, like, you know, you're eating salted meat and grog. Come on. <laughs> Love it. Uh, okay. Here, let's keep going. You're uh, one for three. Here's question four. You have written and produced Hallmark movies, yes. correct? Um, now, if you get this one wrong, I'm going to come up with a quick plot for a Hallmark movie, and you have to give it a title. You got it. If you get it right, you come up with a plot and I'll title it. Okay. So uh, here you go. Evidence of cannibalism was found in which one of these surprising places? And I should say places in history. Um, All right. A, Colonial Jamestown. B, the Gettysburg Battlefield. Or C, within the Cherokee Nation. I'm going to go definite a on that i feel like those pilgrims were eating each other up all the time the european showed up in the town and was like hey we're here for tobacco and oh it's getting a little tough let's kill billy and eat him you're right it was colonial jamestown that is the right answer i was really glad that you didn't choose the cherokee nation because then we would have some sort of i would have to put some sort of racial uh, sensitivity warning on this podcast no one Um, as white as me should ever cast aspersions at any other group no just colonial jamestown uh so this was, they, they found this evidence just recently. So uh, just about 10 years ago, archaeologists revealed that they had found evidence of cannibalism in colonial Jamestown, an indication of just how desperate early, early colonial life had been. Specifically, they discovered markings on the skull of a 14-year-old girl that strongly indicated she'd been eaten by settlers during the difficult winter of 1609. Wow. Wow. You know what? I will say as a parent, if I had the threat of cannibalism to to bring to my children, I feel like they would be better behaved. Like if I if I said to them at the start of the winter, listen, kids, it's going to be a long winter. One of you will definitely be eaten. And then I just left it at that. I yeah. feel like the other two, like it would be like a competition to see who could get my good graces. So, oh, yeah. That's way better than Elf on a Shelf. 100%. Cannibalism yeah. on a on a handleism. I don't know. We'll workshop the name. Yeah. But one way or the other, I think we should bring cannibalism back so I can threaten my children. <laughs> all right. Uh, so you got that one right. You're two for four. And right. this is your last question. This one's for all the marbles. This sways it one way, one way or the other. And Jay, you if you it. get this question wrong, I'm going to ban you from the show. You won't be asked on again. If you wow. get it right. I'm surprised I'm ha- that hasn't happened. Happy to have you on. Uh, <laughs> here's your question. If you, Jay Black, we're yeah. stranded at sea for 438 days, and you knew yeah. you would be ahead of time. What book would you bring with you? Um, so I don't. I would bring a uh, a year long, like you know, like one of those bound editions of uh, twelve magazines, and I would do like Playboy from 1994. Um, because it serves multiple purposes. <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm going to be alone for a long time. Yeah, okay? you killed all your cabin boys. You're alone. I kill, I've <laughs> eaten all of my cabin boys. I'm alone. You know, I, I'm going to need to occupy myself. Right. Right. So, number one, we can, we can, you, you could do the math. But secondly, as someone who had a Playboy subscription back in the day and the old uh, cliche of just the articles, right. the articles were very good yeah. in Playboy. I have to say, it's not like Penthouse or Screw Magazine. That didn't have great articles. Playboy had wonderful articles. So it serves multiple purposes 
and a little bit of nostalgia thrown in too, because I'm I'm going to be out on the boat. I'm going to want to think of better days, and what better days than the mid '90s when we were the only superpower, and uh, you know there was a, a you know no threat of nuclear war. It was a great time. And do you Good ration? Nudity. Do you ration? Do you ration it? Read it one month at a time, and then you know what I mean. Not start oh, on no, February no. until that until that thirty first day or thirtieth day or whatever. Listen, I have zero self-control. I read that whole thing <laughs> back to front, you know, whenever I get the urge. So okay. yeah, I'll probably be done it like in day two. Yeah. But, uh, you know, listen, I, it's, it is a, it's a Swiss army knife of, mm -hmm. of, uh, stuff that will help you when you're alone on a boat. That's all I'm going to say. I love it. The English major chooses magazines. Uh, yeah. that is a correct answer. You are welcome <laughs> to be back on the show anytime. And Thank you, Michael uh, man, it's so good to catch up with you. Um, and, and hopefully uh, we can bring you back on another time. Anytime. I know that we had a little trouble scheduling this one, but uh, it's OK. We're both really on, busy so. men. And uh, and I actually leave in the morning and go. Uh, I'm performing at the Chicago Magic Lounge all weekend. Look at you. So, That's wonderful. Uh, yeah. So I've got Thursday six shows at the Magic Lounge. And uh, so I'm I'm trying to bang out this podcast. I wrote it when we were in Atlanta last weekend. And I'm trying to just get it recorded so we can get on the road and, uh, you know, not have to worry about it. So well, you get to it, Mike. Where can you people where can people learn about you? Maybe see you do stand up, see some of your work. Go to my website. I have a website, jblack.tv. That's J-A-Y-B-L-A-C-K dot TV. Um, I got a, a whole bunch of stuff coming up, a lot of changes coming and uh, very exciting stuff you'll all be very very happy that you went there and you'll get to see me when i look good not like i look now because i in all honesty mike i was telling you that i was sick i'm not really sick i just got off 400 days of being isolated on a boat and this is what you look like afterwards <laughs> when uh, got the well, beard and everything well your belly's full so we've got that going for you <laughs> have a great one man it's good to see you thank you buddy Well, that's all for this week. Thank you so much to my friend Jay Black for being my guest. Here's a young cabin boy named Richard Parker. Thank you for listening to The Internet Says It's True. To listen to episodes ad-free and a week early, support us on Patreon. You can do that at patreon.com forward slash Michael Kent. If you learned something just now that you didn't already know, go to the Apple Podcast app and leave us a review with five stars and a few words. That helps us a ton, because that's how the algorithm works. I don't know what an algorithm is, but just do it! See you next week for a brand new episode of The Internet Says It's True! The Internet Says It's True would like to thank the Patreon subscribers whose monthly contributions help to make this show possible. Dallas Ray, Sean Brown, Bryce Swanson, Eugene Anderson, Matt McVeigh, Jim Martin, Joanne Martin, and the show's official Limper Kick Track. The show is written and produced by me, Michael Kent. The theme song is by Finite Music Forge, and additional music this week was from Brian Bolger. All audio clips in this episode are used for education and commentary and used under Fair Use Title 17 USC Section 107. You can listen to past episodes by searching for The Internet Says It's True wherever you get your podcasts, and you can see bonus content at patreon.com slash Michael Kent.